Blake Griffin is a Brooklyn Net. As the Nets begin the second half of the season, they have another former All-Star added to the roster. How will Griffin fit in? What should we expect from the Nets? And is this roster now set for a championship run for sure? We'll chat about the Nets now and in the past with longtime radio color analyst Tim Capstraw. All that plus another Lil Young versus Jay Swizzy rap battle. Next on a Let the Second Half of the Season Begin edition of Full Court on Flatbush from the New York Post. The next stop is Barclays Center. Full Court on Flatbush. Flatbush Avenue. It's the podcast. A New York Post. BK. Most stars in the sky. The three. Welcome to Full Court on Flatbush. I'm your host, Robin Lundberg, alongside my co-host, former net number 30, Carrie Kittles. Subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts, but if you're using Apple, give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, would you? New episodes drop every Wednesday afternoon. Follow us on Twitter, at Robin Lundberg, at Kerry underscore Kittles 30. Nets radio color analyst Chris Capstraw will join us later in the show. We'll also have a rap battle between myself, Little Young, and our producer, Jake Brown, a.k.a. Jay Swizzy. But, Kerry, first, I'd like to start the show with a prediction. Do you know that Blake Griffin hasn't dunked since December of 2019? Yeah, I recently heard about that. I heard about that. I predict that his first basket as a Brooklyn Net will be of the slam dunk shot variety. Hmm. I like that. That's that's pretty bold, and that's that could that could very well happen. I'm sure you heard about that as well. So I mean, he's still six ten, right? He's going to be playing with James Harden. I, I know he may not be Lob City Blake Griffin, but I, I can't imagine he, he doesn't have enough in those knees to to get up above the rim still. Yeah, no, nah, he he's still bouncy. I, I think he was just being extra cautious in Detroit, trying to save his legs for for this situation where he's landed himself now, right? So. Winning franchise, been a potential NBA final team. So we're going to see a definitely bouncy Griffin in the Nets uniform. You, you mentioned Detroit. It feels like like NBA purgatory at, at the moment, right? How much of a, a change of scenery, how much can a change of scenery do for somebody like Blake Griffin? Like how much of, of that is the proverbial fountain of youth, if you will? Because sometimes it just takes new circumstances to see that old energy. Yeah, I, I think when you're a player and, you, and, you, and you're in sort of a rebuilding mode with, with the team, the franchise that's a younger team that's trying to figure it out, new coach they have there brought in a couple of years ago. So I, I think you're just trying to hang in there. You're trying to, you know, I don't know, just, just play it out until you find yourself into a winning situation. And I, I, I think the patience is, is definitely something that, that takes its toll on you. And you know, he, he took the buyout, you know, at a, at a good time. And now he's joining up with a franchise with three superstar players, second in the East, high expectations, great energy in the Barclays Center. I, I think it was a great move on his part. Opportune minutes that are staring him in the face to, to come in and play and, and, and have an impact. And I, I think he's going to be really excited about the situation. You know, it's hilarious because you, you see the reaction and, and it varies somewhere between the, the Nets are unfair now to ha ha ha, you know, Blake Griffin is washed and, and means nothing. And sometimes you, I think you need a little nuance to these conversations. I, I didn't know if he was the biggest need 
per se for this team. But when you have someone who had that ability, you know, a possible Hall of Famer, and you can pick them up for nothing, and you can put them around the rest of the talent this team has, and we know, you know, they want to lean heavily into their identity, which is, is playing small. Him as a, a small ball center, I think a, a four or five for them overall. It, it's the kind of move where it's hard to criticize after the fact, no matter what version of Blake Griffin you're getting. No, I, I would say that that he was their need. I, I I think you know you're looking at their roster and how how it was constructed before the before the addition. They needed a front court presence. They needed a physical player to bang in the around the basket. They need someone who can handle the bigger forwards in the East and potentially you know in the in the NBA Finals. So I think it's a great move for him. I think it's a great move for the team. And you know as we saw with Harden. Those types of players, right? Those guys who have that ability to to ramp it up to another gear with their games and make the necessary adjustments according to what the team needs. Well, you know what, Blake? We don't need you to score 25 points. We just need you to get inside, bang with the forwards, stretch the floor, which he's been doing lately, making more threes, taking more threes and making them. I, I think he's going to take away some of Claxton's minutes and and does give them that that physical well his skill set fits well with the other guys because he can really pass the ball he can handle the ball so you could see him getting up and down the, the floor with them in that regard setting them up you know catching it maybe on the, the high block and initiating some action obviously finishing on the roll all that sort of stuff but when you, you talk about taking Claxton's minutes away I guess that would be the, the drawback for Nets fans who want to see you know, they liked what they saw from Jeff Green, obviously, earlier this year, who I still think will be a part of the rotation. But it might be Claxton, who, who's the odd man out and not playing in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think the team has some time to figure that out. I, I think what will naturally happen is over the course of these next two months, you'll see whose minutes or des- deserve those minutes, right? We know there's a block of minutes that has been out there, and, and the staff has been doing a great job of shuffling guys in and out. You know, he may even take some of those minutes from those wings, you know, TLC, Shamit. Definitely, God, hope not Bruce Brown because I love him <laughs> and what he's been able to do. But I think DeAndre Jordan, who we know has been older and is in his legs and hasn't been as consistent, you know, he may see some minutes uh, reduced as as Blake comes in. So I think they'll find those minutes for him, and I I think the players will make the necessary adjustments. Well, yeah, DeAndre Jordan, he played a role, obviously, in getting Blake Griffin to Brooklyn, but th- those are the minutes maybe Claxton is aiming for some point down the line. But when you, you talk about blinging, bringing Blake to the, the Nets and, and getting, I think they'll, they'll get the best version of him we've seen as of late. Cause I, I, you know, generally buyout candidates don't have that big an impact. There's a reason they're bought out, but Blake is still only, I think 31 years old, a couple of years removed from being all NBA the, the talent he'll, he'll play around is greater than at any other point in his career. And at some point when we talk about this team and, and it gets to be, I mean, it's a great problem to have, right? That you're just talking about greatness all the time. But there's a chance this could be one of the most, if not the most talented roster ever constructed by by the, the time, you know, the season is completed. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely have that chance. You know, the Miami Heat, you know, I, I, can't, I can't forget that roster. In the more recent years where you bring in three all-star caliber players of one team in their prime. So the Nets have definitely, uh, to me, mirror that that example. But listen, I mean, Blake Griffin is still a great player. I mean, just a couple of years ago, he averaged 20 points. So it's not like he was, you know, on a decline. We know that he's not the, the same bouncy, captivating, you know, jumping over people, dunking guy that he was with the Clippers. But I think what he brings to the table is something the Nets need. And I, I, I think he'll... 
he'll find his way. And that's what these guys do. The overtime, they find well, their Kevin way. Kevin Durant's been a part of the, the most talented teams I've seen, both in, in Golden State and, and now here. I mean, I think for him, it, it puts – in a way, there there's going to be critics of how he winds up winning, but it also spins him in a positive light because people want to play with him because I would make him the poster child for who started this, along with Sean Marks laying the, the groundwork at, at first to get to this point. But we're, we're now dealing – with, with a level of expectations that keep getting ratcheted up. You know, we've asked about championship or bust in the past. I always like to, to think big picture and, and say in this window, you got to win. But this is a team that will be mocked if they don't win now. Because you will look at the, the mock-ups of the, the photoshops of the, the four guys, in, in particular, the all-NBA players in the past, Kyrie and, and Harden and, and Katie and Blake Griffin. And, and if they don't come through, if they lose to anybody, whether it's in the East or even LeBron, AD, and the Lakers in in the finals, you know, the, the Twitter chickens are going to come home to roost. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, the expectations are through the roof. And I've always said that those three guys are, are going to be solid, right? We know they're proven they're playing at an all-time level, all three of those guys right now. And I just thought that they needed the best surrounding pieces around them. And the staff, I have to give the staff credit for putting those pieces, you know, look how they utilize Bruce Brown. Look at what they did to, to Jeff Green's confidence and where he's been playing this year. Claxton comes in, gets his feet wet, and now all of a sudden, within a matter of time, you see he's almost like how Gerald Adam was. So I think that the surrounding pieces around the big three are now developing into a way where now you add in Blake Griffin and he's going to be an integral piece to this team and the expectations moving forward. I see them as a as an NBA Finals team and I, I think it's probably good to say championship or bust, you know, looking at this team and, and, and the expectations of the fans and and I'm sure the owner now is like, hey, you know, what more do you guys need? So I'm looking forward to watching this thing play out. Well, they know it too, right? James Harden was wearing that white, Moo Moo outfit, whatever it was, with the handbag. And, and and then they asked him about Blake Griffin before it went down. He's like, yeah, I'm not allowed to talk about those moves, but Blake Griffin's a hell of a player, <laughs> whatever he said. You know, they knew that this was going to go down and, and that, you know, these guys are, are, they're aware of it because they're the ones putting it together. They're the ones talking about it. I mean, Sean Marks is, is making it happen, but the Brooklyn Nets are now a destination franchise too. And that's one of the things that's transformative about it as well. It's not just the superstars. I think that's the kind of thing that could stick where, you you know, you look at the Nets and you think of a big time team, a big time franchise. Oh, sure. If you're a role player throughout the NBA and, and you have a specialty and you want to be on a winning franchise, you're looking at the Nets as an opportunity to, hey, I can go over there and fit in. They're looking for a sniper, and I'm Joe Harris. <laughs> I'm going to stay with the Nets, right? If you're a forward and you're a versatile forward and you can guard, you know, two through five, hey, I want to go play for the Nets because I know they're going to need a forward, and Jeff Green is just in this sweet spot right now. So I think you're looking at something that they're going to definitely be able to build on in the future, having these three guys. The transformation of James Harden and how he plays now and making everyone better with the moving of the ball and just his scoring, you know, just taking fewer shots for the for the betterment of the team. Those kinds of things attract, you know, role players. And I and I think you're right. You will see that happening in the future in the offseason where you guys are going to be looking to, you know, have their agents call up. Marks, hey, listen, I'm available. And that's what you want to see when you're an NBA franchise is, Guys that are in their prime wanting to come play with your superstars. Oh, how the tables have turned Robin Lumber. Kerry Kittles a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't championship or bust. It was maybe get to the final. Now you are all in, Kerry. You think the Nets are going to win 
the NBA Finals. Remember, you know, a month ago you were saying, I might be too soon to say championship, but it seems like you've come around now. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always the kind of guy, pump the brakes early on. Let's see how this plays out. You know, we have the sample size now, right, of James Harden. Now we're seeing guys go out of the lineup like KD has been out, but others have come in and played well. Then you bring in Blake Griffin. I know Blake Griffin is a really competitive player. Watched him for a long time. He's not going to shy away from the moment. So I know now they have those pieces. And if they're healthy, they better get to the finals and, and win it. Well, when Blake Griffin's, you know, needs to be the fifth, sixth, seventh best player on the team, yeah, of course, you know, that ratchets up the expectations. But when we've already seen how well they've played, when we've seen them develop an identity, the switching on defense, the, the spreading the floor on offense, I think I like the fact that they lean into that small ball. We're going to outscore you. Go ahead, guard us, check us. You know, like, who's going to stop Joel Embiid? No one. No one's going to stop Joel Embiid. But who's going to stop the Brooklyn Nets? And that's the, yeah, I'm knocking stuff down on the table. Uh, <laughs> You're so excited. I don't have the space to operate like the, the Nets do on, on the court. I got stuff too close to me. But you can't get too close. You can't send double teams because they'll, they'll hurt you. And, and now it's just about enjoying the, the journey and, and what can go on. How about Blake Griffin going from gloomy hours to scary hours? I mean, going from Detroit to Brooklyn, that, that's like going from Marshalls to the Gucci store. I mean, the glow-up <laughs> is real. He, there's no reason he could be motivated in Detroit. So everyone who said, oh, he sucks this year, he's going to come to a team that's getting lobs from Harden and all these guys and Kyrie. I think it's, it's a perfect position for him to exceed what he was doing in Detroit, which was obviously not good. Not to mention, once things open back up, uh, Blake Griffin had like a burgeoning stand-up career. And there's no better place to, to continue that craft than the He won't be thinking about that, but uh, he won't well, be thinking we, about we that. We could run an event, Kerry. We, we could, again. He's going to have his, he's going to lick his finger and test the win and, and just sit there and tee up wide open threes, playing with those megastars. Trust me. That's what he's thinking about. Well, when he's not at work. I mean, I, I ran an open mic at, was the Village Lantern on Bleecker Street sometime back. I've dabbled, dabbled in, in stand-up comedy before I could I could get my chops up and we could run an event once again everybody could use your Venmo to, to get in and then we, we, <laughs> we could envision it now guys here we go it, it's a late July summer night the Brooklyn Nets just held the ticker tape parade in the streets of the Canyon of Heroes and coming up tonight after the celebration Blake Griffin performs at the Comedy Cellar led by Robin Lumberg Kerry Kittles and some bald guy with a high BMI. I, I'd like to hear uh, Kerry tell some jokes, but the, you know, comedy sellers apropos because it's laughable how good this team yeah. is right now. It's laughable the roster they've got. Of course, the, the Nets are at 24 and 13, second in the East, just a half game behind the Sixers. 35 games to go. I don't really think that the seating is, is that important. I, I think everybody knows what the expectations are for the the Brooklyn. Nets, what are your expectations for the little young Jay Swizzy rap battle? Well, whatever they are, they're about to be met, maybe, coming up next. All right, we're back with round two of our rap battle on Full Court on Flatbush. We have Lil Young, Robin, a.k.a. Lil Young, and Jake, our producer, is going to be Jay Swizzy. All right, guys, take it away. I, You know, as a defending champ, I, I, I will defer. I will uh, uh, kick off to start this. All right, he's going to talk some smack, so let's bring some heat here. Here we go. Full Court on Flatbush Podcast. It's your boy, Jay Swizzy. Jay 
Jay Swizzy versus Lil Young. It's a battle like a Spartan. You number two, I'm number one. Beard of Zeus, James Harden. I'm Michael Jordan, and you just a little Scotty Pippen. I'm jumping over Kia's just like a young Blake Griffin. Are you kidding me, Brooklyn? Adding Blake is just mean. Looking like a dream team, man. We love Jeff Green. Full court on Flatbush Kest with Robin and Kerry. Scoring tons, playing D. Two-way, Reggie Perry. My puns are impeccable. You just cannot stop me. Handle so prolific. You would think I was Kyrie. Parent Irvin with the beard made you forget Karis. Draining threes from Queens. Shout out Joe Harris. Name a better podcast freestyler. Bet you can't. Three rings on your finger this summer. Kevin Durant. Yeah, I'm Fat Albert. Hey, hey, hey. Catching lobs from Landry. That's DeAndre. This is the best Nets pod. It's always going down. 6-3. That's me. 1-5. through five. Bruce Brown. Catch my ass every Nets game sitting on the sofa. We never fall short of great Chris Chioza. Mucho dollars in the bank. The Nets straight cash. Rookie coach so calm with the squad. Steve Nash. Three rings like KD. Kind of like John Paxson. Golden boy in the post. Big man Nick Claxton. TJ. Tyler Johnson. That boy sitting pretty. Just wait till the playoffs. You may see Din Witty. Say la verse final. No scrubs you know. Au revoir mes amis. Timothée Luau Cabaret. Bars. Whoo. I got to breathe after that one. Kerry, I don't know if Lil Young's ready. I don't think he is either, man. That's pretty mean. I like that. All right. Let's see what you got, Lil Young. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, I, I didn't realize you were going to come so direct. You know, you, you usually just do these Nets references. You you were prepared for battle this time around. Yeah, well, listen. You're up, bro. Let, let's hear the Action Jackson beat. Give it to me. Uh, here we go. Check it. Hearing you grunt was TMI. That's why you got the vaccine for your BMI. Still, beating you ain't no tall task. I want to protect myself, but I don't want to see your face or wear a mask. Don't mistake me for Fauci. I ain't worried about your health. And I got no plans of relinquishing my belt. My waist, it looks felt. But battling me, it's a cry for help. Yo, yo, these bars should come with a CDC warning. Because I can spit from Brooklyn nights to Alonzo morning. Yours is written, but just like your hair, I'm off the dome. So you might as well go ahead and act like E.T. and phone home. There's a new super team. It takes flight at scary hours. They better be scared of what's next. Shout out to Drake. And now Brooklyn is Lob City East, thanks to DeAndre and Blake. Griffin is sure to dunk again, playing with James Harden. And the rest of the league, they're facing a problem. We play big around this town. What's up, Bruce Brown? The Slim Reaper's on his way back to put these other squads in the ground. The Nets are headed for the top spot. Word the NBA top shot. Giving the rest of the league so much smoke, you could call it a hot box. The talent may be unfair, but it ain't illegal. So I'll go ahead and put it in the air for my Jersey people. You'll better get used to it, like Kyrie said. The Brooklyn Nets are coming for heads. Going back to Drake, this team is so far gone. And the rest of y'all, just a bunch of pawns. I'm rapping like Nick Claxton. Make it happen. I keep on going. And y'all's is just fools as I'm acapella. Because I can rap from now until I get my second shot. Whether it's Moderna or Pfizer, you're none the wiser. Keep on coming at me, son, and I'll take you out. Higher. Or something like that. <laughs> Notice how he put the computer screen down, for two for the extra effect. <laughs> I like well, that. Just off the top, that's how he rolls. Kerry, I don't know, man. I think if he's going to be the winner for the first, I might have to win the second, and this may come down to uh, we might have to have a playoff rap battle for the uh, finale. Guys, put me on the hot seat. You know, Sarah's not here to help me judge this time by myself, you know, but... What about Alex? Is he here? I mean, are we are we just doing it for dramatic effect? Let's get Alex in here. Alex, I, I think you know who the winner was, Alex. 
I'm going to have to give the win to Robin just because of the delivery, the freestyle, the acapella bars. He had it all, man. He, he's got the full package. Jake, you were great too, but I just know you're rid it. I'll settle for a tie this time around because I was impressed. I thought you were you were much better around this time. I mean, I don't know. I think Jake won it this time. He, yeah. you know, he referenced all the players on the team. I mean, he threw in the Blake Griffin deal. You know, I don't know. I think I think the producer got you this time. I, I think the third we both you need a right too. That'll determine who's got the writer and the bars freestyling. You know, I could freestyle, but I might need a, a versus ball. where you hit me with the text one hour before we're doing a rap today. Yeah, <laughs> listen, I wrote it like an hour ago, but like still, I did write it. So I think Kerry's going to say I think I would get the edge on this one. You said it, mine was good, so you're the third vote. You're the third vote, Rob. He just wants to win so bad. I, look, I'll give you the win. How <laughs> yes, about that? I, I will All concede. Right, good. So, and then the third time, then we'll have to have Sarah and Alex on. So it'll give the three of us a vote, and then we'll yeah. decide at that point. We need another yeah. vote. Yeah. I, I just wanted the dramatic effect because otherwise, you know, the whole bit will subside. Otherwise, you know, we're going to have to wait so we can break the tie. We're joined now by longtime Nets radio color commentator on WFAN. He coached at Wagner College basketball from 1989 to 1999 as well. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tim Capstraw. And Tim, you know, it's interesting for anybody who's been around the team for a while. I always like to ask, what's it like being around this team versus being around this team prior? Uh, it is. Well, I, from my perspective, I, I've always just been thrilled to be a part of it. You know, like, I, I, so it's a little, I'm a little bit different than some, but there is an enormous difference between the 12 and 70 New Jersey Nets and this Brooklyn Nets team. There's no doubt about it, but I've seen it all. I mean, when I began with the Nets, they, they went to the NCAA, they went to the NBA finals and you know, then, then obviously had some tough years along the way, but it is significantly different, especially especially now even when you're even the the expectations just continue to to rise for this for this team in Brooklyn it's really special time hey, Tim this is Kerry I was I was wondering you know have you ever seen a, an NBA franchise be, have this many expectations when they've brought in one, another star almost midseason with with Harden right a, a new addition to their to their roster and now midseason this Blake Gri Griffin addition have you ever seen a team do that and still have this amount of success and, and the expectations, as, as you just mentioned, just continue to rise. No, I know. Isn't it different? It's so unique right now. This is a unique situation because even just coming into the year with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, everybody was all fired up, thought the team could be a top team then. And then, no, I, I don't know that I've remembered the in-season to see this kind of transformation of a team is, is, is shocking. And yet it has been – with. So much was talked about James Harden coming in and what a, you know, how impossible it would be for that, that the group to get along and how could they have ever have enough basketball for all these guys. And lo and behold, he comes in and he plays great basketball. He's got everybody kind of thinking about the team and guys are just thinking about winning. They want to win a championship. I think when you put up the kind of numbers these guys had and had the careers they've had, and nobody can appreciate that more than you. He, he, these guys just want to go to a situation right now where they have a real chance to win an NBA championship. So, so do you credit that to Steve Nash and, and the job that D'Antoni has been able to do? I mean, obviously, he's first-time head coach in the NBA, and, you know, D'Antoni's a seasoned guy. He's been he – he's seen everything, right? And just, just to be able to take those guys, to have them all buy into playing great team basketball, you see them now, as of late, making the necessary adjustments on the defensive end. 
and has led to a, you know a great win streak uh, heading into the break. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you, and probably this is where you know, even speaking with you could even be, give you a better perspective. Talk, you know, Steve Nash as your coach, I think. Because of the way he deals with the guys and, and the way he communicates, and he has he has a, a certain cachet with them, but they also think he's good too. You know, like they, you can't fool guys. You got to be still good. He just has a calmness about him. He relies on his assistants enough as he's figuring it out. He's very humble, and God, that kind of attracts guys. Like Steve Nash is not looking for the not looking to be the the the, the, the face of the franchise right now. He wants the other guys to bask in that glory. He's talking about, you know, he mentions Jacques Vaughn all the time or, or Emmy Udoka, the assistants, Mike Dantoni. Yes, they're helping me. This is about the players. And I think that's really, really good for any NBA player, but really good for guys that have been stars. They have a coach that communicates, that is humble, is kind of figuring it out. And yet, when things weren't going that well, wasn't afraid to have a you know an uncomfortable conversation with a couple guys, but he picked his spots. It wasn't day in and day out, and I think that he has done a wonderful job. And Mike D'Antoni, of course, yes, the the influence he has had, and and how I'm sure that's a great security blanket for a guy like Steve Nash. But I think it's just the way he is. The way he is, he's got a he's got a way about him, Steve Nash. It's very cool, very intelligent. And he's the first one to tell you he lacks experience, so you can't even call him out on it. So I think they've got a unique thing going right now, and I think the players are really enjoying it. You know, some could say it's an easy job to walk into, given the the, the talent that he had when he came in the door and the talent that's come in the door since then. But in, in a sense, how difficult do you think that task is that you're describing because of, of everything he has to manage personality-wise and, and talent-wise? No, I think it's really hard. I really hard. And I think that's why he was targeted, you know, as far as this would be a great guy to coach these guys. I don't know that he was targeted, but I, I'm sure he was had, had, there was mutual interest going on. And somebody said, yeah, I remember being so surprised at Stephen when Steve Nash was named the coach. Then after a couple of days saying, no, this makes sense. This makes a lot of sense. And it is, a, you're right. It's a hard job. You know what? It reminds me. Remember when Spolster and when LeBron went to Miami, I thought that was one of the toughest jobs I had ever seen. A guy that have to, those type of expectations, dealing with a lot of players, getting them to mesh together. I don't think that it's a normal NBA coaching job. In fact, it's not. That's why thinking out of the box and bringing in a Steve Nash, I think was brilliant. And I, I've really seen even the coaching part of it evolve. You guys were talking about it before. The defense is beginning to improve. The adjustment of playing a guy like Bruce Brown at the, at the four, kind of, or at the five, you know, kind of as a screener and a roller, a little bit different thinking out of the box. I think there's been some really good stuff going on, but it's really about the communication. And again, I refer back to Kerry because I, I watched it from a distance, but I also saw it, you know, uh, also witnessed it day in and day out. The ability for a head coach to communicate with his guys and really have the respect and have them all on the same page and liking what's going on is a huge, huge factor. And I think there's pressure on Steve Nash, but he never seems to think. You know, it's hard to get him uptight about anything. Like after the game, they win. He's kind of the same guy. And that's a perfect, perfect recipe, I think, for this team right now. Tim, you just referenced Kerry. I have a running bit here on the show because anytime somebody compliments him or, or talks about him in a positive light, he gets a little 
awkward. You know, he, he feels a little awkward, that is. So uh, what, what's your your memory of Kerry Kittles? Uh, you know what my memory of Kerry Kittles is? You want this one? I almost ran off the table. I was about 25 and subbed him into the San Antonio game in game six. Get, <laughs> get your ass back in the game, Kerry Kittles. That's oh, what I, That's my lasting memory. Remember that? That was tough. Oh, that was yeah. tough. Now, here's the thing about Kerry, though. Not, not every player you can say this about, whatever, 15, 20 years ago now, right? Yeah. His game translates really well to today's NBA, doesn't it? I mean, it really, you talk about speed, defense, and lights out shooting, that's kind of the NBA now at his position. You know what I mean? And he was a lot more than a 3 and D guy. But, but you think about how the game is played now. His game right now in 2000 and whatever, 2 or 3, translates to 2021 the same. Now, you can't say that about a lot of, a lot of players because the game has changed significantly. But he would have been a really good face the floor, run the floor, defend his position, switch on to anybody. And, you know, yeah, it probably gets a little embarrassed, but I watched, I watched an awful lot of his games, you know, so it was, it was a real pleasure to watch that. Those teams were really, really, really fun. That was a great mix of talent and leadership and everything come together with that group. Kerry, would you be pulling up from the logo if you played today? I, I, I would try to, absolutely. <laughs> I just wish, you know, I keep, whenever someone mentions that era of basketball for the Nets, you know, the early 2000s, I just wish that we'd have been playing, you know, that team playing in the Barclays Center in front of that crowd on a weekly basis, nightly basis, with that energy. It's just something that I, I envy that as a former player. Uh, I could, I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah, it, it, the Barclays or, you know, he always said that because you remember all those years, just you'd go over the Madison Square Garden and just destroy the Knicks in these games because it was kind of a little bit extra to give it to them during that that run because there was a little bit of jealousy. You have you're kind of forgotten across the river a little bit. You you don't really know. You're right. If you were at the at the Barclays Center or in the, right in the middle of New York City, those teams, you know, they're they're probably be be statues of a couple guys out there, right? now but it's still a great run man nobody can ever take that away from you Kerry I assume Capper is talking about when Byron Scott pulled you when you were at your hottest in game six and the Spurs went on that big run it's a story it's a story <laughs> Capper that uh Kerry you told a few weeks ago right I, I know it well I, w I was there for it and you know I was not exactly known as a great coach in my co collegiate career but at the same time I almost went over and said please just go in the game. This is I'm gonna get in there. We're up like this. We're I, up I remember 15. that game, and I remember like asking the coaches, like, "Yo, what's going on? Am I gonna go back in?" And they were just like, "You know how it is. Like he's going by his time on his thing on his watch." So it's like that's the way he that's the way he coached back then. No, no. Well, remember we're up like 15 or so. Nets were up about 15. And how about another New Yorker was taking it to us? I was taking it to the Nets at the time. Was Speedy Claxton was playing great in that Hofstra, game? Hofstra assistant coach right now. That's my guy. Yeah, yeah, no, I think Speedy Claxton was great in that game, and he was. I don't know, but I, but yeah, that's not. Listen, too many great things, you know, happen with with Kerry Kittles. You know, you know, and, and there's no guarantee you win the game if Kerry Kittles is playing. But it was just. There was a time when he was really playing a really high level, and he was he was sitting for a while, and they were making their run. So it kind of comes back to it a little bit. But who knows, right? Who knows? Go get back to this Nets team. All right, so now we're into the second half, right? And you're bringing in Blake Griffin. How do you see – a couple questions. How do you see the team adjusting 
right? Because the role players we started to see fit their roles and was really embracing it. Guys were really emerging. Bruce Brown, you mentioned earlier, you know, Green was out for the last couple of games, but I'm, I'm assuming he'll be back in the lineup soon and Katie will be back as well. How do you see this team in the second half of the season, you know, bringing in Greg, Blake Griffin and trying to find his role in minutes and then matching up against those powerhouse teams as, as the Sixers in particular, the Sixers and, and, and perhaps the Bucks. Yeah, no, I, it's going to be interesting because you're right. Because, you know, it, prior to the break, Jeff Green was out. So we got even got to watch Nick Claxton play. And he was really, really impressed. I'm sure you liked him. He, he's, he's, he, he's got a chance to be a real special player. Jeff Green was, is the perfect kind of guy to have with this group because you need that, you need that guy with the, with the calming kind of cool guy. Has a lot of respect of his teammates. He, he was really good. I think, Blake Griffin will work out really well because I'm sure coming into this, it was like, hey, Blake, we, we don't know exactly where you fit right now. It's not going to be perfect, but you've got to be flexible. We've got to be flexible. And sounds like Blake Griffin was like, listen, I understand. I'm, I'm going to probably come off the bench. I'm probably going to be a, a small ball five. I could play some four. He's an interesting player, though, because he creates a lot of issues on defense because Blake Griffin is an outside standing ball handler and, and, and a pick and roll player as as a big man I mean handling the ball not the screener he makes great decisions. he can cause a lot of problems to defenses so I, I think he's going to be a very effective player I would not be surprised if he if he it rejuvenates a little bit like even mentally you're, you're out of Detroit you're, you're going to be fired up to play in Brooklyn I think that will help him I bet you physically he improves too. I've seen this in the, with a number of guys. The Nets do an unbelievable job with their conditioning. They call it a performance team. Everybody raves about it. I wouldn't be surprised if that helps also. But I think the right approach by Blake Griffin, he'll find his niche where it makes the most sense. And the amazing thing is, Kerr, is that they signed him with the veterans minimum. So they still have a mid-level exception available. And they could get. Not, they might not be done yet. The Nets still might be looking. Might still add to their team. So I don't know. Against you know, I, depth. The one thing you saw once they made the trade for James Harden, you said, "Boy, they're they're." You go to the bench, you get a little concerned. So I, I think that's what they're doing. They're fortifying their bench. There's more depth there, but everybody's got to understand and be flexible with their role. Yeah, I, the only the only other addition I would I would. Embrace would be the the Drummond move. If they can't get Drummond, you know, in a buyout situation to take that ex- exception. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tinker too much with the lineup. But you know, who am I? Yeah, no, Drummond. There's rumors about that. I don't know. I don't have no inside information. But you don't know. There, there could be something. And they're always, always looking. You think about where the Nets came from, from when John Marks took over as general manager from. From the, the 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 trade that that sent you know brought in KD and they lost other and 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 Paul Pierce and not KD uh, Kevin Garnett and, and where they had come from with that, with their lack of draft picks and their development of their team and how they have brought guys and found guys and made them better and the Joe Harris's 
and the Spencer Dinwiddie, who is out with injury right now, but is rehabbing quickly. It is an amazing transformation of a franchise and an unbelievable job that they've done. No question about it. I always compare it to like emerging from a bomb shelter and rebuilding civilization, right? And now it's a glorious civilization, a utopia that they've got. But we've talked to him about the the present. You talked about a bad memory from the past. I'm curious, what is your, your favorite Nets call or, or favorite Nets memory. Oh, I, I think some of those going to going to you know the finals, getting to the finals, the, the, the Eastern Conference championship games, stuff like that. I, and I, I really, I loved you know, I, I loved that team. I loved uh, everything about it. I really, Jason Kidd is one of my favorite athletes of all time. I loved how his he could he had a, a special will about him, and he passed. He, he he would move the ball well, and I also see this a little bit with James Harden now. That James Harden wants to move the ball, so everybody else kind of wants to move the ball. I thought that was the same way with Jason Kidd. His leadership, the way he got things going, I I, I thought was really special. So specific games, the Eastern Conference Championships, being in the finals, and then there were just different nights along the way where the team would they'd be in a hostile environment, whether it be in Boston or Detroit, and people would be nasty, and they'd just come out and win. Yeah. I, I, uh, they could be random games in January and February, but to just see the toughness and coming out and winning games and, you know, I thought Kenyon Martin getting up and into people and, and that was just a great group. Uh, and I, I, I love that time. Also, you know, the last couple of years, you know, it's been some special nights at night. Sacramento when that fourth quarter comeback was an amazing 25 point comeback. And even, you know, last month, you know, winning against Phoenix, coming back against them. So there's been a lot of them. I'm not as great at my individual game recall as some people, but I, because I've just been really, really thrilled to just be a part of it for this long. Again, I wasn't an NBA guy coming in. I was kind of an outsider. I was just kind of feeling my way, and uh, I've been able to hang around for a long time, so I've been really lucky. Capper, last one before we let you go, and we appreciate the time. One of the great things about the Nets is, to me, it's an iconic broadcast crew from TV and radio. We've had Ryan Rucco on. We've had Michael Grady on. We'll have Sarah and we'll have Ian on. We've had Curse Carino on, your partner. And you two have become like the Bonnie and Clyde of Nets Radio. You've been doing this together for so long. Are you finishing his sentences? Do you know his sandwich order? Do you know you know what night he's on, what night he's off? <laughs> well, you know, it is like that. You end up thinking a lot alike. And you, you, you do finish sentences. And you do think the same. And you know what's coming. And He's, you know, he's kind of rolling his eyes when he knows I'm going to say the same joke I've said a hundred times. You know, he's, he's got a little bit like my wife, to tell you the truth. It's, a, it's not that different. She gets, she rolls her eyes at me too. The same. I got a little of that, but and Carrie can tell you. And Chris, the amazing thing about being around Chris Carino, first of all, he's shot amazingly talented. He does things with such ease. It's unbelievable to me how easy he and smooth and uh, controlled and descriptive he is in a broadcast. He is amazing. But he's also an incredible inspiration. I mean, he's been fighting this form of muscular dystrophy called FSHD for the last 25 years. And it's a progressive disease. And now you oftentimes see him in, in, in a chair. And to watch that, he, that does not take away from his attitude, his approach, his, his will to just keep being successful and being a great family member. And everything that he does is a is an incredible inspiration to me every day. So uh, not only the broadcasting, not only the NBA, but being around Chris with his inspiration is, is amazing. And you are right. The Yes broadcast 
the TV people we have and, and uh, are the best. And, and we think the radio people are right up there also. But the TV people are the best in the business. That's why they do all the national games. And that's why they're all national broadcasters. We're really proud of that. Well, you do a great job on the broadcast as well. Tim Capstraw on Twitter, uh, at Tim Capstraw. He's the Brooklyn Nets radio analyst on WFAN, also an NCAA TV analyst, NBA TV, Olympic TV analyst, got basketball camps, a banquet speaker, and an MC. Tim, we really appreciate your time today. All right, great talking to you guys. The next stop is Barclays Center. Flatbush Avenue. That says sayonara to episode 12, the Joe and Lucius Harris edition of Full Court on Flatbush, our Brooklyn Nets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Alex Camarata for producing the show. Subscribe to Full Court on Flatbush wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, please. For Kerry Kittles, I'm Robin Lundberg. We're back next Wednesday. Stay safe, stay warm, stay healthy. And thanks for listening to Full Court on Flatbush. Let's go next.